The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fire Escape. Hey y'all. Hello. We are here live from the Guitar Shop NYC. Well, it's not live to you. You're listening to this in the future. We're alive. Um, but we are, we are alive. alive right now. Uh, who knows if that will be true when this episode drops. It's true. hard to say. Um, welcome back to the Fire Escape as always. We are two dudes from Alabama and a Welsh Londoner who is not here in voice or in body. Uh, but he is here in spirit. Uh, Howell is is under the weather today, so he will not be joining us. Uh, but we are joined by special guest James Carbonetti of Carbonetti Guitars uh, here at the Guitar Shop New NYC. Thank you for having me. This is going to be great. Being on. Yeah. Been talking about this for a minute. That's right. Yeah, we have yeah. been talking about it a long time, haven't we? Yeah. All been too busy. Yeah, I love it. it means yeah, a lot. Man. Thank you for being here, guys. Oh man, yeah, yeah. thanks We're for excited. having us. It's a really. Uh, we'll post some photos with the with the post guys, but it is a beautiful shop. A lot of cool stuff in here, uh, and excellent selection of Earthquaker devices, pedals, and yeah. strings, and all of the good stuff. Just like to keep my family close and. Mm-hmm. That's right. This place like a living room vibe where everyone's comfortable. Yeah, it is. It's well, a very comfortable uh, shop. Usually, guitar shops in New York are not that comfortable. Yeah, you know, there's too much pressure on everybody. Yeah, yeah. come in the shop, you got to buy something. You know, yeah. or you got to mm-hmm. sell something. Or mm-hmm. you know, we believe in that, but not in a pushy way. Sure. Yeah. And, I mean, well, yeah. yeah. It's better, I, mean, I feel like you know that. It's you better know. sales, anyways. I, I yeah. think. I think more people are willing to spend money when they feel it's more like honest. You're not trying to suck their money out of their pocket. You yeah. Know? It's like. And I feel like uh, I've always loved guitar retail and since I worked yeah. at Ch- Chelsea Guitars and then 30th Street and then getting into repairs and then building and then also touring and stuff. I feel like I've had a good mix of yeah. how to treat people or how I want to be treated in different yeah. situations. And, you know, you just have to respect people's space and yeah. vibe, really, and let them find what they like. Yeah. I feel well, like guitars find you. Yeah, really? yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. and we, before I forget to mention, uh, it is worth mentioning that you're also recording and touring member of yes. Caveman. Yes, Tell yes, us yes. Uh, a little bit about what's um, going on, how long y'all been playing, what's all that about? We started, well, me and my buddy Matt, we met in 2000 in high school. Uh, we were 13, and uh, we just realized we both played music, and then yeah. we just stuck with it. And then we had a band with our high school teachers called The Subjects, which was awesome. awesome. Nice. And that was from about 2003 or four. Well, we had to keep it a secret from 2003 to four because we were seniors. Sure, yeah. But we were playing like the Continental. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we were playing the Continental and Tribeca Rock Club and uh, Siberia. And where our good friend Kieran, who manages Bowery now, managed then. Yeah, yeah. We didn't realize. Um, and then we toured a bunch with the Walkman and... Oh no! Um, kidding. We played. Yeah, we've got some posters up there. Oh yeah, that's we, bad. We uh, we shared a practice space with those guys and yeah. with the Rapture and stuff. We were uh, in the space called the Red Door. We mm-hmm. used, used to be called the Green Door, where yeah. everyone used to practice. And this owned by this guy George Ogomowski, who is the old uh, 
producer and manager of the Yardbirds. And oh, if wow. you look at the old Yardbirds <laughs> records, it says a Giorgio Gramowski production. It's yeah. like the balls of that guy Hell to yeah. put that on a record, which is awesome. <laughs> but then he also basically introduced like the Stones and the Beatles. Like he had this place called the Crawdaddy oh, Club in London, and uh, was a big blues guy. And yeah. Just in everybody's book, mm-hmm. basically now, sure. you know, he's a legend. But uh, so Matt's mom used to practice there back in the day, and then we needed a practice space and got us in there. So yeah. once we graduated high school, we started practicing there. It was on 24th between 6th and 7th, and just like three-floor oh, yeah. place, brownstone, and the ground floor was this awesome stage area, and we'd practice yeah. there, and we got there, and the rapture were there, and... They gave us all of their old gear, which was awesome. Oh, they wow. gave me Luke gave me his uh, like sixty four blackface basement for a hundred bucks. That it, it wasn't working; it just needed a tube. Um, but I was kind of upset too because I got really I didn't really know much about gear, but I was really into. I was like, oh, I need a silver face basement. Like I saw it at Main Drag. Yeah, and I was like, oh, blackface. And then I did some research. I was like, oh, blackface. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. And then that was my sound. He's like, all you need. He like he set me up. He's like, listen. Because I was playing my Slash Les Paul, mm-hmm. like signature Les Paul through a yeah, crate. Yeah. He's like, you're a cool guitar player, but your tone sucks, basically. Sure, yeah. you, need, you guys need some gear. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, Jimmy, all you need is a Les Paul Jr., an MXR microamp, and a basement, and you'll be good. And that's what I used for really? 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's still my favorite, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, so we were there for a while, and Giorgio actually gave me my first job. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I started working at Chelsea Guitars and everything, but sure, I worked yeah. for Georgia when I was 18. And then, um, so yeah, me and Matt, we toured with the subjects. And then 2000, well, we played until 2009. Mm-hmm. And then we broke up. And uh, and then me and Matt looked at each other and we're like, well, we're still, you know, yeah. got to play music. And uh, we basically had our little draft of like who we want. And we became good friends with a bunch of awesome musicians over the years so we picked our buddy jeff who played an elephant um well not like picked but we asked him to play um and then our buddy stefan who was in end of the world and our friend sam who was the repair guy at 30th street Mm -hmm. and uh our good friend john frank played with us for a bit too and then me and matt and we just started writing songs and playing music and uh then 2010 was like the first kickoff of caveman and we opened up for our friends white rabbits at bowery ballroom was our first show and uh, we only had like four or five songs <laughs> first show yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it was fun like we were just wanted to do like this was our first like all right we're doing this you know we want to do things right and yeah, yeah. as or as right as possible as we think in the moment and uh yeah we just started playing as much as possible and saying yes to every gig and yeah Nick Stump from the French Kicks was a big mentor to us with mm-hmm. songs, and he recorded and produced our first two records. And yeah, um, and then the second, our second record, we did. Uh, he produced it, but we did it at Rumpus Room down the street from here, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Sunset Park with our buddy Albert DeFiore, and um, and then he ended up producing our third record at that space, and then yeah. Michael Brower mixed it and everything, which was fun. But yeah, we've been having a good time. Wait, is Nick Stump? Is he a producer that lives in L.A. now? Yeah, he is now. Does he work? Okay, I think I know who that is. He's he, awesome. He works for... He's a tall, tall, handsome fella. Uh, and he does podcasting stuff now. Is that is that right? I was going to say, how do you know this guy? I think he works for How Stuff Works. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he's that? their producer. So he was the lead singer of the French Kicks. I did not know that. Um, All right, things are coming. I was we, like, Nick Stumpf is a very as a, a Nick Stumpf producer. Like, <laughs> there's either two producers named Nick Stumpf. Yeah, that are about the LA. same age and live in L.A. Yeah, or yeah. they're the same, or it's just one guy. <laughs> he's awesome. So me and Matt met him when we were hanging out at Shanae Bar, and I think it was on my birthday, and we were might have been my 19th or 20th birthday. This is a bar we were underage, and Jeff was bartending there. That's how we met Jeff, and yeah. he was playing an elephant. And we're like, oh, we know this band because we were obsessed with that band, Hours, and Jimmy mm-hmm. Necco. And sure. so we went to go see him, but we weren't allowed into Bowery Ballroom, so we had to like go somewhere else because yeah. we couldn't get in. And then we ended up hanging out at Shanae Bar, and Nick Stump was there playing pool, and we ended up becoming friends. And we le- we loved his band before that. And I guess we made a good impression on him, and he asked us to open yeah. for him without even hearing anything at wow. Shanae. And then uh, we just became really close buddies, and he's yeah. always had our back and yeah. always uh, pushed us in the right direction. The same with the Walkman; those guys have always been, yeah, I'll say you it's, know, it's pretty good. Uh, had our back, pretty good stock of mentors there. Yeah, we're very lucky with the people that have been, yeah, having our backs. So you and Matt grew up in. Uh, New York though, yeah correct? we yeah. Uh, grew up he grew up in Park Slope and I grew up on Roosevelt Island okay um, and then yeah I've always lived here and we've been playing music now for 19 years which is pretty crazy That's and right. yeah so we've always you never have to talk about things anymore you just look at each other mm-hmm. just through the through the eyes and uh, yeah now Caveman we just finished our fourth record now we just finished mixing. Now we got to master it, and then we'll be back out in the road. And yeah, yeah. So how? Uh, help me with like the timeline of this. Cobra Guitars was your first. Yeah. So how how did how did be you know obviously you were playing music before you were building guitars. Yeah. Um, where did that st- like when did you start building guitars and how did that start well, kind of mixing together? Yeah. Well, I was at Chelsea for a bit. Mm-hmm. Got super obsessed with vintage guitars and Danny and Doug taught me yeah. everything. And that was 2004 when I graduated high school, uh, to about 2007, maybe six or seven. Yeah. And then Doug went to work at 30th street and brought mm-hmm. me with them and then got more into retail stuff. And then ended up getting obsessed with doing repairs and Craig from Chelsea guitars. Yeah was doing repairs and he helped me get into it and then um started doing more repair stuff and then realized matt had a guitar brand um is that rust Rust. yeah so i found all these necks and bodies in the basement i was like what is going on here yeah and he was like yeah i just don't have the time i was like i'm i gotta do this you know like let's do this it's gonna be really fun so yeah, so we started up the Rust thing because yeah. I think before it was just the New York City guitars or NYC guitars. I don't know. It was like a, a Subway Token logo. It was really yeah. cool. And then he ended up going with Rust. Um, so yeah, so we started that. And then one of my clients was like, "Dude, if you ever want to do your own shop, uh, yeah. would love to do it." And I told him no for a year. Yeah. And my mom yelled at me about it. <laughs> and then finally we did it. So that was like, I left 30th Street in 2009. And then, yeah. so it was basically the same timeline as Caveman. Yeah. We both started, I started Cobra Guitars and Caveman in 2010 with um, my buddy Eli, who's awesome. 
and he lived now lives in uh, Austin. Okay. But yeah, we found a place next to Hell's Angels on yep. third between first and second yeah. for really cheap, and we were there for a bunch of years, having a good time yeah. and making a bunch of guitars. Mm. And then uh, did that for a few years, and then 2015 uh, found this place, and then um, ended up starting Carbonetti Guitars. So 2015 is Carbonetti. Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah. then right when I opened up uh, Cobra Guitars with Eli, our friend Mojo's like, "You got to meet Moss. Like, he's this crazy Japanese, super talented builder and repair guy." And yeah. He's a big stoner like you. I was yeah. like, all right, let's hang out. <laughs> and then the shop he was at was on 7th Street. It was a guitar mm. man. Okay. And uh, I went in there with a the guitar I made. He's like, oh, that's cute. You know, I was like, you motherfucker. Like, come on. <laughs> that is not, yeah, that is like, not what you want to hear. All right, cool. Neat. Like, neat. You know, <laughs> Thanks like, for that. Well, let's smoke a joint. I was like, all right. And we hit it off really well. Yeah. And then I found out that shop was closing and... Uh, I was like, well, if you ever need anything, you know, I've got an extra yeah. workbench. And he literally the next day showed up with a van with all of his tools. Really? And that was that. And now me and Moss have been sitting next to each other for, yeah, uh, yeah nine years now. Wow. Every day. That's awesome. Basically seven days a week unless I'm on tour with Caveman. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, basically 2010, Cobra started at yeah, 2015. And yeah. then around the same time I met Moss, I met Eric Coco. Yeah whose uh, family's labella strings and then we instantly hit it off yeah. and he would just you know have my back so much and just hook me up with strings and not ever ask for anything like an angel and um we just really hit it off and then realized um soon after that he was married to like my second or third cousin through marriage and like in east harlem yeah. Italian family connection. Yeah. Um, so then we we're yeah. even closer, and then we always flirted with the idea of doing a shop together, and that's how this place happened. Uh, yeah. The Guitar Shop NYC, which is the umbrella of uh, Labella Strings Showroom, uh, Masino, and Carbonetti Guitars. Yeah. And it's been great. It's, it's been really fun. It seems, uh, you know, I, we met, you know, through Matt Yumanov yeah. guitars and all that so stuff. I bought my first guitar. Is that right? Yeah. What, in what was it? Ninety five or ninety six. Was it the? It was a Black Squire. Yeah. Matt was throwing Squires back then. Look at that. I know. Who would have thought? I know. I got in a lot of trouble at that Nam where we met. Yeah. Me and uh, me and Ardell brought back a Squire baritone jazz master. Those are great. We played it and I was like, "Yo, this is good." Yeah. Like, we're gonna we're gonna put an order in. They're good. We got back and it was the the whole talk around the shop where they were like, "Wait, you bought a Squire? Matt's gonna kill you." Yeah, like, he's gonna fire you for doing that. <laughs> and I was like, "Here's the deal." I was like, first of all, play no, it. he's not. Second of all, it's an awesome guitar." I was like, yeah. "It's good." Third of all, I'm gonna sell it before he even knows exactly. that it's on the bill. And so yeah. we, so ended I'm up, gonna buy it. <laughs> yeah, we we ended up selling it to uh, a buddy that's actually tattooed me and Coulter and uh, a dude named uh, Brandon who used to work over at uh, what was that? Uh, he worked at a Mischief whiff. Tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He walked made, in made and famous I was, by Broad City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the pink place. Exactly. Yeah, he was like, so we, I mean, we got it in. I think that day he came in and he was like, yeah, I'm in this like kind of sludge metal band, and I was like, like dude, buy this. this all black baritone jazz. They're really master. good. They're great. I mean, yeah. they're great. Um, anyways, but yeah, he was he was very very against selling yeah, yeah, Squire. Yeah. So him knowing he sold Squire back in the day is very funny. Yeah. Um, Thanks for selling me that Squire, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That might have been uh, 95 or 90, 96. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, but it, oh, my point in bringing up Matt was just to say, oh sorry, um, this this thing feels it feels unique. I mean, I haven't been in a guitar shop that's that's this. <clears throat> what's the what's the word I want? I mean, like it it it, it it's family business, family business. Yeah, I mean, everyone. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is like you know with Labella, and then it's you really your, ancestral. Yeah, I mean everybody is you know, and you say you know you're friends with the Earthquaker folks. Yeah. And you know you're a dealer of their thing, only a dealer of of their pedals. Yeah, you know, it's like it, and you know your guitar brand, and then Moss's thing. It's like it feels. Uh, I don't know. It's like it's like a, it's like the coolest flea market in the yeah. world. You know, it's yeah. like this place where all these different curated. people are together. Yeah, clubhouse. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we've all been in tons of guitar shops and worked yeah. in them, and I've toured around the world and been into tons of shops mm-hmm. and. Eric as well from selling his strings. He's fifth or fourth generation string maker. Like yeah. we've all been doing this a long time. And Moss used to work at Rudy's from eighty five oh, to two thousand, mm-hmm. building all the pensacers and like dealt with everybody. So our main plan here was I mean, it wasn't even really a plan, it kinda just happened, but yeah, just like minded. Just have people that we love and care about mm-hmm. because that's the only way to sell something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is if you really care about it. And it's not selling it. It's just talking about it, yeah. I feel like. And with Earthquaker devices, I care mm-hmm. about Jamie and Julie like my family and everybody who works there yeah. because they're the best. And they surround themselves with like-minded people and people yeah. who care. And I don't know. I feel like you have a place like this and it's like a big magnet. People mm-hmm. who come in who are like-minded and yeah. you know, and having all the strings here at good prices. And we try to keep everything decently priced. And yeah. You know, and there's that. Like, there's a line of thinking that's like the have everything of every. You know, like the there's like yeah. BNH photo that just basically has like one of everything of anything totally. you could think of. Yeah, and you know, as far as electronics, or, I mean, they even have instruments. They have every single type of computer or electronic thing yeah. or whatever you like yeah. want. And it, and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to go in there and like figure out what you want. It gets confusing. I, like so I've read options. an article about the way like this, this to me kind of feels like for a guitar store feels like more akin to like Trader Joe's where you go in and yeah. like, it's curated. This is like, yeah, it's curated. Like they have, they there's everything you need is in here, but it's only one, you know, it's, it's like one or two types of everything totally instead yeah. of like 18 different, like you don't need, you know, four different delays from eight different pedal makers. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of them do. I mean, and places can do that and that's fine. Totally. Those places exist, but there's very few places that are like this where it's just like, we have earthquaker devices stuff mm-hmm. and we have like a handful of other stuff, Yeah, but not real. you know, like, yeah, it's like we have a cool like used game and it's yeah. like, you know, cause I, I love vintage stuff. I yeah. grew up with yeah. vintage and especially working at Chelsea guitars mm-hmm. and like the vibe at Chelsea was you're hanging out and that's how I learned about music was sitting and talking with G Smith, and he would yeah. tell me, he's like, "You need who's your favorite guitar player?" I was like, "Slash." He's like, "You should listen to Ronnie Wood." I was yeah. like, "Thank you." And Ronnie Wood's my favorite guitar player. And like Joe Walsh, he's like, "You need to listen to James James Gang, and you need to listen to Free, and listen to Paul Kossoff." And like that was my college when I was eighteen. Yeah. And Danny taking apart guitars with me and showing me like he had a nine he had that nineteen forty nine Broadcaster, the red one. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'd play that in the morning and just yeah. like this is cool. I didn't know what it was and. Yeah. You know, and Billy Gibbons would come in. All these guys would come in and just sit and talk. Yep. And that's what a guitar shop is. A music, it's a music shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we only listen to vinyl and we have our fun stuff. And, you know, 
vintage stuff and then now we represent other builders like we brought in our buddy uh doug meyer from mountain cat guitars Mm -hmm. and he does boutique uh guitars that he represents and so i feel we're very lucky in that sense of we're builders so we have other builders here that we represent and there's no other think better way to talk about another person's guitar unless you're a boutique builder yourself and yeah you know, so we could explain the finish or explain why that guitar sure, is yeah. special. So it's nice that we have that, and then we have the vintage stuff, and yeah. you know, just stuff we care about. Yeah, you know. yeah. I, I I remember when I first moved to New York, I uh, I worked at that Whole Foods right up the street yeah. from, from Dan's. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, the Chelsea's the Chelsea guitar spot, and uh, <laughs> and I, I went in there one day, and, you know, because. Because uh, that's the one, you know, on 23rd, right? The yeah, little, yeah, the right tiny, under the tiny. Chelsea Hotel. Yeah, yeah, And I mean, so listeners, uh, for those of you who haven't been to yeah, go. Chelsea Guitars, <laughs> yeah, go. Uh, but to, to visualize, it's, I mean, I can touch both walls at the same time. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I, it's it's maybe seven feet wide. Or, yeah, well, they used 10. to be next door. Yeah. And then they moved to a smaller space. Okay, yeah. So I've only, I mean, this was in. What 2013? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was mm-hmm. I've only seen. So I was there 2004. One. I mean, they've been there since the 80s. Yeah, and uh, yeah, before that, I was in the older one, okay. um, a little bit bigger, but still tiny, a shoebox. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's what made it. Oh, it was it was great, humble and nice. But you look around, it was like full of such cool guitars, and mm-hmm. it got me into what I'm into is a guitar with a story. Yeah, and that's I feel like what I make oh, is yeah, like yeah. you got to have something you know feel cool mm-hmm. be in tune perfectly yep make you feel great and sound great and yeah. you know have a make you feel good you know that's what a yeah. guitar is for well and and that shop that shop was i mean you know as like an outsider to that shop yeah. I, I mean i could i could definitely attest to that vibe in there because i mean i i got a big kick out of it because it was probably the first Probably the first like famous person I met in New York yeah. was uh, I'm not a big celebrity person, but uh-huh. I, it was I was in that little teeny tiny shop, and I, I'm a big clumsy dude, and like so I'm like I basically whenever I'm in there, I have my head down, and I'm yeah. just looking at my feet so I don't kick something over. Yeah, and there's yeah, just yeah. Guitars in the floor, and they're hanging. There's on the stuff walls everywhere. And, yeah, and it's all rad stuff. Yeah. you could just as easily bump into a gold top Les Paul as you exactly could, uh, a Martin you know. or yeah. then he had a cool Dean or whatever. Yeah, on. exactly. It's like, like yeah, it's like one one misstep and you could yeah. you could break twenty grand pretty yep. easily. Um, and so I'm like you know I'm looking down at my feet and I, I and I I kick this dude's foot on accident and uh, and he's wearing I mean like chrome bright shiny silver <laughs> boots and i'm wearing cowboy boots and uh and i don't even look up i'm just looking down i was like oh man i hope i didn't scuff your pretty boots you know like kind of just yeah, yeah. a little bit of fun and uh and he was like oh no it's fine i haven't even looked up yet and and dan goes you know he's like oh pete because i'm i'd never bought anything yeah, yeah, I yeah, just yeah would come in there on my lunch break and just i was kind of the kid just running around in there and uh and he was always real sweet to me he's like yeah. oh pete you met lenny I'm like, and I look up, and it's Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Uh, Mr. Lenny. For the audio medium, uh, Pete looked aghast there. Or oh, yeah. He looked very surprised. <laughs> I did. I think I, 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 I probably, like, I feel like he's such a beautiful dude. Like, yeah, there was like yeah. A, there was a little bit of, like, stammer. I was like, oh. Totally. You know, but it was, we ended up sitting down and hanging out for probably an hour. And he yeah. He was like, 
oh yeah dude y'all should talk like, you know like, that was the out. thing about that shop it was so yeah like he knows because danny's got a like, big mouth on him too which is oh, yeah. what makes him so beautiful and everything's yeah. got a story and everything mm-hmm. has got a vibe and that's yeah. you know why me and him got along so well and yeah you know he's like my uncle that guy i love him to death yeah. and between him and doug and those guys just really pushed me yeah forward with like being into cool stuff and cool vibes and yeah 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 i like that, that place is special but, so oh wait, sorry i think you have more go ahead no i mean this was going to be a, a change of subject yeah, so. yeah go ahead okay i was going to say that so you started building guitars and touring with a new band or like making music with a new band yeah at the same time same time what it would you advise that for like other no. people or I guess what to say that feels like a lot going on like at one yeah. time but I think that can actually lead to success it too, was really like not special. specializing yeah. a little bit it was it was a, definitely a wild time no sleep mm-hmm. and a lot of hanging out and scheming and having fun and like the shop was like our clubhouse like as this is ours still you know and mm-hmm. it's always been where musicians come and hang like that was always very important to me like i want this yeah. to be a place where a musician professional or not you can just come and hang out and play whatever you want like yeah. i don't care if you want to play that 1952 p bass or play a weird squire mustang bass that we had here you know for 200 bucks like yeah. always try to have something for everybody and then that was always the thing with the shop in the east village too and you know since Jeff was a bartender, you know, and we liked to go to bars, it always worked out. And so I'd basically be at the shop all day working and making guitars and trying not to be distracted by all my friends hanging out. And then me and Moss would be hanging out and work until, you know, 10 or 12, yeah. just because why not? And then go out to the bar and then at four, come back with a few people and listen to records and hang out sure, yeah. and then probably sleep at the shop and then uh, wake up and do it all over again. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of that. And then tour, and I was very lucky to have Moss in the shop because I would go tour and Moss would hold it down. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but it was definitely something that shaped the vibe and the sound and yeah of our band because also you know i made all the guitars for us and yeah um wound all the pickups and then earthquaker hooked us up with all whatever we needed you know when we met um so it was very special but it's definitely uh burning the candles at every mm-hmm. end and um i finally started taking it easy it's nice yeah good for <laughs> you man yeah but yeah it's definitely wild of uh doing it all at once um it was fun if i could do it all over again i would do the same exact thing i I think that like doing different stuff at the same time kind of like there's this whole like uh, there's gonna be a book coming out called range which is about being a generalist in a Mm. in a world where like everything like the the common, you know, nature, the Malcolm Gladwell idea or like the hourglass ideas, you got to put in all this time, you know, like yeah. you do have to put in a lot of time to be successful at something, but being less focused and like doing multiple things at one time actually helps you think more creatively about the different things than like, yeah, I mean like if you weren't building instruments, <coughs> excuse me, if you weren't building instruments, your band might not have like this unique sound because 
you're making all the guitars for everybody and you, totally. you're making so it's like it it allows you to think about things in a way that um and like under and approach problems more creatively rather than like just drilling down on one specific thing over and over yeah. again yeah. and you don't well, have any practical application for that if yeah. life when life invariably changes totally. yeah. and it also it gave me the freedom of a sense of you know I could make my schedule and make my time like, all right, I'm going on tour because we toured and played every show for as long as we could. Like we'll go to South by and play 15 shows just because like (laughs) we're a new band and you kind of have to, and like just say yes. That was our thing. And me and Matt's goal and Jeff and Sam Mm -hmm. and Stefan, like we always were like, we just have to say yes to everything because it's a nice challenge. Like, I don't sure, care yeah. if people ask us to play a hip hop show. Like, we'll win them over. Like, that mm-hmm. was our thing. Like, we can win them over. Yeah. And that, I feel like we've taken in every one of our personal lives and whatever we yeah. want to do. And I definitely have that for the shop. And I know Matt has that and everyone has that. And, you know, it's very lucky that we found each other. And, sure, yeah. You know, it's worked out like that. Oh, it's, I think it's you know coming from again like the the I'm in the vintage yeah. guitar world so you know it, a lot of that stuff is you know it it there's obviously quality and and stuff yeah. to playing like an old you know 50s flat top Gibson or whatever totally but a lot of that stuff is also pedigree too yeah, right yeah, like yeah. there's the you you spend that big money on those items because either it's a hero history. of yours played it yeah. or there's like this perceived value to it and you know obviously there's there's a lot of perceived value yeah. in those things. Um, how do you, I'm always curious about this because, you know, I, I'm, I like boutique guitars too. I think it's interesting, you know, especially like I, I'm, I'm pretty vain in my guitar choices. Like you're talking I like gold guitars. I like stuff that looks cool. Um, I will pick a cool looking guitar over one that works a a lot. I hear you. (laughs) Um, how do you, but, but it is a weird thing. It's a, yeah, it's a weird, uh, trying to figure out how to how to phrase the question i guess it's like do you find that like on the business side of this thing like you make really wild guitars like they're very cool they're 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 wild in all the right ways in in my opinion um but it's still a boutique builder totally enough people don't know your name yeah yeah and i won't buy a new guitar yeah it's like going against my own i was gonna say how do you how do you especially knowing since you're a vintage guitar guy too how do you bridge that gap for people to to you know to to make them let loose of their money yeah. to buy a guitar that has no pedigree and yeah, no yeah, yeah. history to it that's that's yours that you're you know that doesn't have Gibson Martin totally. or whatever whatever. Well, I uh, feel very lucky that uh, I'm a musician first, yeah, and got really into vintage guitars and have played everything. Yeah, like working at a vintage guitar, you know. Yeah, like you'll sit there and it's quiet. Oh, let me play this, you know, nineteen fifties Esquire or yeah. fifty nine Les Paul. And then sometimes when you're lucky, you get to own stuff. Like so, yeah, I've bought sure. and owned a bunch of fifties juniors. I got really into juniors and mm-hmm. stuff. So it, I, I feel like the the experience in holding those guitars and taking them apart and understanding what makes them special. Yeah. And also being a musician and understand how instruments work on the road, that gives me an edge on building guitars where I can put that knowledge and like, yeah. all right, I'm going to make a guitar. I want it to be sturdy. I want it to be a tank, <coughs> but I want it to be fragile in the right ways. Yeah, sure. Um, I only use lacquer. I don't use polyurethane because it evolves and it 
you know, looks cool over time, but it's that's what the stuff I like has been painted with, how it feels, yeah. not like just ziplocked in a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, just having different wood choices and, you know, having a neck carved as I felt my 59 Junior and, like, a rule of some of my guitars, there's no sharp edges unless yeah. there's a point. Yeah. You know, unless there's, like... You know, like on that guitar, unless, you know, something has a stinger or or exactly, but everything else is really rounded, like wherever your hand is going to touch, it's not going to be sharp. Yeah. And that gets me about a a lot of new guitars where it's like the fingerboard is really sharp, like comes to an edge. Like I make sure I round everything off really heavily just because it's comfortable and you don't think about it, you know? So you're loving that vintage. I mean, there's, I mean, clearly putting stingers on guitars, you know, yeah. which for folks who don't know, it's essentially, it's, you know, it's a, a paint yeah. scheme, uh, you know, making a, 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 a nice colored kind of go to a point. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, I love art deco stuff. Like sure, my yeah. favorite builders are D'Angelico, mm-hmm. Tony Zomitis, yeah. and, uh, you know, all these guys that are really special. And, um, you know, Paul Bigsby is, yeah. you know, I'd say D'Angelico and Paul Bigsby are my two favorite builders yeah. because can, they I had the that. balls and they yeah. didn't care about anything. And they went to their shop and Paul Bigsby's like, his first thing was, I can fix anything. Mm-hmm. And then his second thing was, I can build anything. And I try to live by that. Like, yeah. you know, I'll fix anything or I'll, at least I'll try. Sure. Yeah. Um, and if I can't, you know, I know Moss can. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I'm I'm glad that people like you exist because we have a, a there's a, a floating piece of terminology in our friend group of Pete Special. Pete Special. Yeah. Where I buy very broken guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just they get me for like I for try to do it reason, too. It's so cheaper. Know? And I'm all, but I have this working faith of like, well, there's someone out there who can. Fix yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Like I'm just I'm gonna buy it. Somebody can fix it. I agree. So it's like to hear that you know, knowing that there's people like you in the world, yeah, that are like, yeah. Yo, I'll, I will fix it. Yeah, yeah. Makes and that's, me so. I've gotten happy. a lot of my vintage guitars. Like, yeah. I, and I tore with all my vintage stuff, and or I used to before I started really making it. Yeah. But like I toured, like I told you, I had a '59 uh, D'Angelico that the original mm-hmm. owner put patent number humbuckers mm-hmm. in it and it was awesome yeah and it was a crazy guitar and people yeah, thought right. i was crazy to tour with it. i was like it needs to be played yeah it's a player's guitar I, and yeah. i almost put a bigsby on it yeah and i didn't which i kind of still wish i did but um yeah it just <clears throat> yeah. needed a lot of work and I'm, then i fixed it i mean my main playing guitar that me and coulter when we play out is uh you know shout out to our buddy john he sold it to me at, at true vintage guitar the uh, 48 j200 yeah that has been i mean was that's the best wrecked yeah uh, we got it put back together and yeah it's just the people and people get really bugged out i, mean, I know you, you people hate it like, you why 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 are you playing yeah. that i'm like because it's a guitar yeah. I don't that's know, what they were made works. to do yeah. so yeah. we get that up with a lot of our gear and like yeah we had this one snare drum that Matt got from his mom that had like, uh, she was a public school teacher and, mm-hmm. you know, ended up getting this snare and, uh, it was a sixties Ludwig, uh, really cool superphonic. I think that had New York public school oh, yeah. stencil on it. And, That's cool. And people would freak out. They're like, what, why would you have this? Or I'd have my fifties juniors or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, why are you taking this out? Cause it's the best of its yeah. kind. I'm not going to go buy a reissue of it. Yeah, for way more money, mm-hmm. and especially knowing for you just have to hang the real thing. Yeah, you know? like, and if it breaks, I'll fix it. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, that's just 
yeah. how it is. You know, that's why I use tube amps. They're mm-hmm. delicate. They'll break. I'll fix it. I use tape echoes. Yeah. Delicate. I'll fix it. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's also like a false notion of like that this stuff is going to be important for the rest of time. It's like, yeah, it's like this stuff is important to you. Like, you know, the, a lot of the people that freak out about it are like very into like, you know, a specific decade of like rock and roll. Totally. And it's just like, I mean, in like a hundred years. Played. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you were like, oh man, you can't touch that. That's like the harpsichord that this, some, you know, like classical composer yeah. used yeah. that isn't famous anymore. It's yeah. just like, don't, no one can, like no it's not, it won't that, matter right? like like if we don't yeah. play it now like hey exactly. listen guys we're all gonna die so like you might this will break and yeah. people won't care about it anymore so i'm gonna play it now yeah, exactly yeah. you know we're only gonna care about this for the next 50 years yeah so relax that's why the met has <laughs> not the Mona Lisa. amazing musicians come and play all the stradivarius's yeah because yeah. as you know if you let a guitar sit yep. they implode and it yeah. needs to be played and that's why i'm sure you guys too have like i get drawn to really beat up guitars because if you have a 59 junior that's trashed mm-hmm. and a 59 junior that's mint you know which one's gonna sound better yeah dude so yeah like, they gave me that piece of advice they said yeah the unplayed ones typically now there yeah. are there you can are, open it up yeah there but are they're some stale are, but it's like more times than not there's a reason why no one wasn't playing. played exactly yeah. you know and you're and you play someone you're like oh yeah it's man, stiff that's a dud. You know? yeah. it's like Putting on new shoes. What's more comfortable? Yeah. A new set of boots that yeah. will give you blisters and then, or yeah. go to the thrift store and you get old boots that fit. Yeah. You know? Well, so talking, because I know you do a lot of repair stuff here too. Yeah. Um, how, so, you know, the, the further you've gotten along with this stuff, you know, the repairs and the building, um, and, you know, obviously like growing this community of musicians and yeah. stuff. Um, have you, have you had that moment yet? Um, I don't know where someone that you look up to, like a huge, you know, somebody you're a big fan of, or just yeah. like that kind of surreal moment where, like, well, that person, like, I'm fixing their guitar, or they're playing one of my guitars. Totally, you know? I've had a, a, luckily, I've had a few of them. Like, um, Matt Sweeney is one of my favorite dudes that I respect gratefully, yeah. and I met him early on, right when I opened up the shop. It was probably 2010, right when I opened up Cobra Guitars, and. uh and Chelsea guitars, and we were hanging out at Dark Room where Jeff was working super late, listening to our new record that we we're just yeah. mixing now. And he was like, "Who is this?" And it was like, "Oh, it's our band Caveman." He's like, "Ah, fuck you! I don't believe you." You know, I was like, yeah. "Like, no, this is us." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, and actually, we're about to we just close up the bar and go to my shop down the street and yeah. mess with some guitars and listen to records if you want to come." And he's like, "Fuck you again! Like, I don't believe you." Yeah. And then we go hang, and then that was basically the start of a great friendship of, like, you know, we hung out for hours, and then um, I ended up making him a really cool, uh, because he plays a gold top, a cool 70s one, so I made him a gold top version of... of a Bo Diddley, which came oh, out really cool yeah. with the verse, oh, reverse yeah. oh, headstock. I think I saw, I think I yeah. maybe saw a photo. Yeah, it was like a gold yeah. top, uh, dark back also, yeah. with yeah, binding. Yeah. Almost like a 57. I put uh, Filtertrons awesome. that I made in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's always been like kind of a vibe beacon to me. It's like that sure. guy's the coolest dude, you know, yeah. it's like, and cared about the right things and so yeah when we hang out all the time i get to work on his stuff and make him stuff um and then in the past couple years got to hang out with richard fortis um because i used to fix his guitars when i was at 30th street and then we just hit it off uh and hit him back up 
um, maybe a few years ago now. And I was like, dude, I'd love to do a guitar for you. It's right when Guns N' Roses started yeah. touring again. That's why I started playing guitar. So I was like, dude, I would love to make you a guitar. He's like, I would be honored. I was like, all right. All right so yeah. we designed uh, the Moon Phase guitar together. The shape was like, we're going back and forth. And um, he was supposed to pick it up. They were playing MSG. And he was supposed to pick it up. He's like, dude, I feel really bad. I can't come to the shop. Do you mind dropping it off at Soundcheck? I was like, yeah, are you crazy? I guess I'll make it work. Yeah, I'll come know. to MSG. Yeah, <laughs> Madison Square Garden. It's off See four. my favorite band in the world. Yeah. Soundcheck. Yeah. So I drop it off. And... Um, we were just hanging, and, you know, his guitar tech was my friend Chris Trainer's old buddy, so it was, mm-hmm. like, really welcoming and really yeah, yeah. nice, and they were all the nicest dudes in the world, and uh, which made it the best, even. Sure, yeah. And then uh, Richard played the guitar, and he gave me tickets and yeah. uh, passes and everything, and then went to the show, and he was playing the guitar. Like That's wild, man. Like, something he did not obviously need to do like sure yeah i was like i just gave you this i understand if you need to have a practice with it or whatever but he played it yeah you know and uh i freaked out and he played it like he owned it for a million years yeah. and how i mean do you think that there uh can you objectively give a like a grade to like did it sound oh i was blown away yeah. i mean Everyone's playing top notch. They played for yeah. three hours. I feel like so it's cool. probably the best that the Guns N' Roses is sounding. I mean, but particularly I'm sure the, your gear, hearing your guitar through, like, oh, you yeah. made through that, I setting. couldn't believe it. Yeah, like he, the first song he played was it was a uh, sweet child of mine, and you know he's got some riffs in there, and I was just well, first it came off with. Slash playing the Godfather theme, and then mm-hmm. he was in the back kind of playing sure, along with yeah. that into Sweet Child of Mine. And yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, all right. Axel even walked up to him and like stared at the guitar and like joked grabbing the Bigsby. It was really? like, all right, that's <laughs> funny. And then uh, then he also played Used to Love Her, and he's playing the big riff at first, yeah. you know, and I couldn't believe it. I was kind of yeah. died insane, a little bit man. on the inside. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm very lucky with the people who come in here and, you know, from, yeah, just everybody. It was an amateur to professional, yeah. like, treat everybody the same. Yeah, no doubt. That's another big part of the shop is, like, treat everybody the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody appreciates that, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I imagine everybody from the famous folks to the non-famous folks feel yeah. the same gratitude for that. It's like if you're on this side of the room, I'm going to tell you, hey, flip the record. The same way as anybody who's on this side of the room. Like, come on. Yeah. You know what a record player is. (laughs) Flip it. (laughs) You know, I actually thought about that. The record ended when we were in here earlier. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I want to go flip his record. I don't know if that's cool. Flip it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're mainly listening to Joe Walsh and John Ettenwhistle and some YMO. You know, records are scratched up enough. Yeah. Mm. Not fragile. I just went through my whole. We just moved. I just went through my whole record collection the other That's day. That's the worst thing to move in the world. It sucks, yeah, dude. This is our heavy. fourth location of the shop, and we've oh. brought records the whole way. Yeah, you and have a lot of records too, man. Records. Yeah, we've gotten very lucky too because recently we hung out with Masa's dad. So his dad is like the Miles Davis of Japan, Tara Masahino. No kidding. Um, Herbie Hancock was his keyboard player. Steve what? Gad was his drummer. Yeah, what? Find what? Those records so you can see. <laughs> 
Um, Herbie Hancock and Steve Gadd. Yeah. So this guy, Teramasi Hino, <laughs> and Anthony Jackson was his bass player. Uh, Jeez. Schofield Dude, feel play free with to him. play it while, like, I we will. will mic it. We'll mic the thing. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'll put one on. This, um, is, this is very casual. This is very laid back. It, he's a champion. So we got to hang out with him because he called Moss. He's like, Moss, I'm, I need my storage unit uh, emptied. Um, do you have a way to, you know, get this, some of the stuff. I want to give you a bunch of stuff. And we had our band sprinter. It's like, Moss, we're going. So me, Matt and Jeff went and got to hang out with him and he loaded us up. He probably gave us maybe a thousand records. Um, and we already had a thousand records, but like Miles Davis collection, a crazy Jimi Hendrix collection that I've never seen. Oh yeah. Um, and a Mac and Moss's old Macintosh, yeah, was, Sarah that I he grew up with. Trying not to drool on that earlier. Yeah, like yeah. That's super rad. Yeah, look, this guy, champion, champion. Teramasa Hino. Um, and he's just Dude. a trumpet player. He's awesome. Um, and so we got to hang out with him, and he's the nicest dude in the world. We've got to we've got to take a picture of the cover of this album art. <laughs> yeah, well, this one he's walking through uh, Juarez. Oh yeah, that's pretty good <laughs> with like an open Look thing. Look at this dude, Steve Gad. This is, the, ja- this is the Japanese Jackson. Lionel Richie for sure oh, yeah. right here. Like, look at that Lion- thing. I'm pretty sure. Luther Lion- Vandross. Luther, yeah. Luther Vandross. Luther <laughs> Vandross what? is on this record. Come on. Yeah, it gets pretty intense. Lord have mercy. Oh, look at this one. This one's great. Double Rainbow. I'll put this one on. Wait, is that him? Yep. Oh, yeah. He dude. looks exactly like Lionel Richie. I know, that's what I'm telling you. He's the Japanese Lionel Richie for sure. What? Yeah, he's not messing around. So we hit it off super well, and he also gave Moss like a bunch of his old instruments that Moss ended up Herbie Hancock giving to us. Like I ended up with new old stock um, NS10s in the box that we have in our studio now. But yeah, he's such a cool dude. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Wait, pretty... how did we get on that? Oh, we were talking about records. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, he's a champion. So that's where, you know, we would hang with, you know, Moss and everybody. And, like, it's just we have a good crew around us, which yeah. is really fun. That's his old rhythm arranger that we used on our record. We used a bunch was, of his stuff. I was looking at that, too. I was like, that is the cleanest drum machine I've ever seen in my life. Well, his storage unit was kind of like... He closed it up in the 80, I think, when he moved back to Japan. Got DX7. He was here. Yeah, yeah. Moss grew up in New York. Okay. So Moss, I think, moved to New York in 73 from Japan to the Upper East Side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he went to music and art. Like, he's an amazing artist. I have a bunch of Moss's art. Like, he did that painting. Oh, yeah. Over there. I've got a bunch of his art in my house. He's awesome. Yeah. But, yeah. And this is... I, I, so we have a our buddy uh, Joey who's been on the show, musician and journalist, and he. Uh, oh no no no! It's good. Okay. No, yeah. it's great. Um, and uh, he he had you know he was always really interested in like he was big in like the punk thing. Like, yeah, he really loved like punk, and um, me and him would always have these conversations in New York in particular about like you know the the feeling of like. 
or you know the idea of like a scene. You yeah, know? yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, I think New York is so. I think there's few places in the world that like had scenes like New totally. York. You know, like, so, I mean, the you know the folk thing in the village. You know, you the got rock whatever thing you in the want. East, you know, lower metal and queens, but like yeah. such condensed and like definable scenes. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You just look at and you know the Ramones whole thing. You know, all of that. Uh, a CBGB, mm-hmm. everything, and I'm sure there's a million other ones that I don't even know about. Totally. Um, and we were just discussing that that idea, and it was like, you know, it feels like New York has become a, uh, uh, you know, I think a little more probably homogenized. Yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Than of before. course. It's like the feeling of like music scenes feels a little more. Totally. I don't know. Not not so. Defined. You know, yeah. Not all these defined edges, and in a way that makes me sad, just because I, I like. A scene, totally. You know, like I think scenes are just a fun, at least, yeah, at least in my mind. You know, like, like you know, there's a place you can go where that vibe is going to be there. Yeah. Well, and so, I, but I feel like this. I mean, the more I'm learning, because a lot of this, you know, obviously I, I knew you in this shop. Yeah, yeah. But the, you know, the more we're talking and learning about these things, it feels like there is a very. I don't. I don't know how defined the edges are, but there is a scene yeah. here. Uh, I mean, we're here seven know? days a week. Yeah. You know, at least twelve hours a day. Yeah. Come hang out and play music and you know definitely have a vibe here and but i feel like new york is always have that and will always still have that no matter what like the vibe of like if people in the 50s or 60s i bet we're saying the same thing we're saying now like man you should have been here in 1959 or 51 yeah it was way cooler you know new york sucks now you can't get an apartment now for 50 bucks like and I, it'll always have that, and that's what I love about New York. It always changes, and yeah. it'll always spit people out. And mm-hmm. as you get older, like I used to go out seven nights a week, I don't anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I could easily say, "Yeah, the scene sucks now." No, yeah. it doesn't. It's, it's just changed, yeah. changed, and I've changed. And I think yeah. it's a personal like, thing where people like maybe you're just not eighteen anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're not willing to go to some the clubs are still there. Yeah. Clubs Keeps still close, and clubs open. Like that's yeah. just how it is. Like. Well, that was, music's different. It's like, of course, yeah. your music was different from the music your you know. parents listened to when you were 18. Exactly. 18-year-olds don't want what you did. Exactly. So I, Sometimes I, they do. I think the New York vibe will always be the New York vibe. And yeah, it's like it's definitely changing at a lot faster pace right now. And mm-hmm. it's definitely really expensive, but it's always kind of been expensive. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, unless compared to everywhere else, yeah. Yeah, unless you were in the eighties and the Lower East Side with like a bunch of junkies and yeah. burned out places. But if you lived on the Upper East Side it wasn't cheap. Yeah. Cheaper I, than it is now, but I think you're one of the first I mean, so I'm I'm really fascinated by born and bra- you know, yeah. born and raised New Yorkers. Uh you know, with us being from Alabama, it's I don't know. And like in moving here just from somewhere so different. And, and, and also in a city where tons of people move from other places, you know, yeah. it's like to, to meet people who were born and raised here is always really fascinating to me. But I think you're one of the few that I've met that's like, yeah, it's different and that's fine. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be like no. Gotham City, 80s New York to be cool. It doesn't have to be 1965 yeah. for it to be cool. You know, it doesn't have to be whatever all these kind of milestone. Totally. You would have told me five, six years ago or a little more that I would be living in Sunset Park. Brooklyn, yeah. I would tell you to go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. no way am I doing that. I was always East Village, Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. I'd live there. I spent all my time there. I was at my buddy's shop by Robert James. Like, yeah, that's 
where my lifestyle was. Yeah. But then, and also I feel like New York gets bigger every year. It's like, yeah. now this isn't that far out. You know, it's three stops on the subway. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't convenient to my lifestyle. Like, yeah. But now it's perfect. And, like, now people come hang out and... Yeah, the neighborhoods changed, and it's still I feel like one of the old school neighborhoods. That's why I love about this neighborhood too. It's really old school, family based. Yeah, um, a lot of great people, just like making great food. Like I feel like a lot of neighborhoods are built on food. Oh yeah, and that's kind of what's really important about New York. There's so many different cultures and different flavors of everything. Like, yeah. and that's that's what makes New York. Not yeah. like. Oh, it used to be this, you know. It's like, no, New York, in a definition. Like, if you, if you look up New York, a constant change, I yeah. feel like, would be the definition of it. I and think, you have to either go with it or you'll just be bitter and hate it. Yeah. And then move out and then hate New York. Yeah. I, I mean, you that's something I have it. to wrestle with all the time. Because yeah. I am not, like, I like, I like having, like, traditions. Yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm a super sentimental person. Totally. So, like, I... You know, like I, I feel like I was in some in some part of me was sadder than a lot of like born and raised West Village folks when yeah. that's closed. Just because totally. I was like, oh man, that's like that's just that was part the, of your heart too. You yeah, know? well, and it was just that was the Such only history. version of New York that I know yeah, yeah, yeah. is that totally. Uh, you know, and so like I, I constantly have to like remind myself, and I'm like, you know what, this like. There's just nothing. No. There's nothing you do about that. It no. just happens. You know, like I love going home because I can go. You know, to Birmingham. Even though Birmingham hell has changed more in the last five years than it totally. has the previous thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love going back and be like, oh man, I can remember going here when I was a kid, and totally. like I love that so much. Yeah. And you just kind of. I guess a lot of New Yorkers do have that sentiment, and they are of bitter course. and pissed. You yeah. Know? Uh, like, well, I, I think everybody, and that's what I was talking about like two weeks ago when I was saying like you know changing of a neighborhood or changing of a culture somewhere and like moving and obviously it's more complicated but it's it's kind of like what Hal was saying it's like it, the slow progress progress of change is inevitable yeah yeah like the like you know there's there's go, problem with gentrification and, and stuff like that yeah. that gets you know there, there are there are general like genuine problems but there's but it's also leading to it's not that it's it's not that you shouldn't do anything or it's not that there's nothing we can do about it but it's it it's all leading to the same place yeah. where like yeah. things are just, where you grew up is just going to change yeah. like totally. it's just going to no matter where you're is, from if it happens in a, a, a organic or way yeah. or yeah. A, you know and in new york it'll never be happening in a healthy way because there's a whole yeah. thing in yeah. right much, by where you live yeah, now. yeah. too much money to be made off of doing it the other 10, way 20 years ago would you think that would happen no, no. dude yeah. Like I grew up on Roosevelt Island and my dad moved there in the mid 70s. Mm-hmm. And he moved there with his like five, six best friends and they ran the island. Yeah. Like it's considered Manhattan and like they had this island to themselves yeah. basically and there was a hospital on it and it was a crazy community and my dad ended up owning the hardware store and uh and video store. Yeah. And so we knew everybody. So, and I grew up on Main Street. So, like, I feel like I have that small town sure, yeah. mentality, but with the New York mm-hmm. broader aspect of like, oh, I live in New York, but mm-hmm. I live on an island that has one street called Main Street. Yeah, the yeah. smallest, the smallest miles. place in New York you yeah, could think of. If ever. you've never been to New York, Roosevelt 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 Island is like this little island That's between awesome. Manhattan, Manhattan and Queens, and Queens where it's just a like a little too. thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. there's. 
Uh, yeah, so if you've ever seen the movie Spider-Man yeah. with Tobey Maguire. Or Nighthawk. Yeah, or Nighthawk. <laughs> the, uh, the little little gondola. Yeah. Yeah. It was really the best. But now I go back, and it's crazy, and it's easy to be pissed, but it's like, ah, oh, it's inevitable. Just it's the way like, it is, yeah. You know, my aunt and my dad, like, their rent was like four seventy five. Yeah. And, like, that's how it was, and then, you know, now you can buy an apartment or you can't buy an apartment for, you know, a million bucks or whatever. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And now there's a Starbucks on Roosevelt Island where <laughs> normally it was all local run. There was, like, the one pharmacy owned by the guy. Yeah. The biggest store we had there was a Gristides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, then my dad owned the hardware store. And there was the thrift store from the church. It wasn't yeah. even like a Goodwill. It was, like, the church's thrift store. Yeah. There was a one library. There was one school. Wild. Like it was. Is awesome. that where you went to school? For a bit. Yeah. For yeah. And then I left the island because there was, that, you know. You yeah. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Just got, gotta go. Well, you gotta go somewhere because yeah. there's no more space here. Yeah, so. Or not even that. It's like yeah. oh well, there's no more. The school ended. You gotta find another school. Like, <laughs> the grades ended. Oh, oh, you know. you did oh, does it like only go to like yeah, sixth whatever. grade or whatever? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, this is the amount of school we have here exactly. on the island. So yeah. you you've done it export. all. Yeah. So, but Fly, now my son. Rises and now Bloomberg yeah. put in the whole uh, Cornell thing. And, yeah. You know, which is cool. Like, great. Yeah. Know? But you know, it is weird because. The whole history of the island now is like the octagon and uh, how it was the big mental hospital and like they did a lot of like oh yeah testing there and stuff and now that is an apartment complex and I would Ooh. never want to live there no, no yeah horrifying like just look up the history like nope I won't live yeah there. this is haunted that's like those places that are haunted York, that's haunted New York everything is haunted there's so much history here like uh-huh. yeah <laughs> someone's died in probably everybody's apartment oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You oh live, yeah, you live there. Oh yeah, somebody's died. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, you were at that at? Oh yeah, there's yeah, ghosts yeah, in there. Yeah. But you know, that's but that's the fun about New York. It's yeah. history and stories, and that's what builds a good town, mm-hmm. and you know, builds character of people and music, and that's why I feel grateful of having the shop here. It's because there's yeah. so much stuff going on. And are you are you New Yorker for life? Yes. Yeah. Until, I don't know. Yeah. Until I'm not. You, you have no, no I've thoughts. I've never lived or, anywhere else. Yeah. I've traveled to a ton of places. I think sure, I've yeah. been to every state. Um, yeah, I've basically been on tour since 2005 or four. I imagine yeah. touring kind of takes away a lot of the the itch to like live somewhere else yeah. in a way. Because it's like you get to experience. Like, it's I love Austin. Dip, like, it's different. I but, might live there one day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like, there's a couple places. Like I would love... Like, oh, I would live here. But mm-hmm. then you come back and we're like, nah. Like, Iceland was one of them. I was like, this is Iceland? awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. The Roosevelt Island places. of the world. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's oh, so much fun. We were there for five days, and it was like, we're playing the Iceland Airwaves Festival. Yeah. And we got hooked up with this guy, Bati, who took us around, and like, there was the Northern Lights every night at midnight. It was really a magical trip. Yeah. And we played shows every night. It was awesome. How did the Icelandic music? people? Yeah, they they dig it. Yeah, they were singing along. Yeah. Like it was Hell weird. Yeah. Like, all right, this is weird. You know, like we were sound checking, and we were playing one of our songs, and the guys like, "Oh yeah, we love that song." We're like, yeah. "All right, thank <laughs> you." Yeah, this someone who's weird. not Bjork is playing. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, no offense to Bjork. You know, 
and Austin was another place like that to me that hit me you know it's like I like places with good communities and good stories and like yeah a good music vibe and Austin was like that there's a lot of great places yeah. you know but I don't know New York I didn't have my license I got my license when I was 16 and then me and Matt we basically started touring and we're like, this is not as fun with a license. And just let it expire, threw him out the window. And, and then... Uh, just to be rolling the dice? like No, because we didn't want to drive. Oh, you didn't want to drive? No, uh-huh. no. Why would you want to drive on tour? Oh, it's the best. Oh, I mean, I'm not about on tour. Yeah. Uh, probably not on tour. I just love driving. Yeah, yeah I mean, I like it now. Like, I got yeah. my license about a year ago and oh, yeah. I'm back. Yeah. Back on the road. Driving the Sprinter. Yeah. How does that, that... that was horrifying. We just yeah. sold the Sprinter recently. But that was funny because I learned, basically started driving this tiny Golf. And then it's like, man, I felt bad because Jeff was parking the Sprinter all the time. Yeah. I was like, Jeff, let me help you out a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it was horrifying. It was like driving a boat. Like, yeah. Then figured it out. It takes you a couple hours. It's a whole, it's a sail too because oh, yeah. it's like, so if you get a crosswind, were out oh, yeah. our gears in there. So yeah. It was just, so you just, you just got to like window yeah. it out. Yeah. That's, then you realize that's quick, people get out of your way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to sprint. It's the law of gross tonnage. Yeah. It's just like, I'm bigger than you. So yeah. you got to move. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, Wait, yeah. So you sold the Sprinter. What are you touring in now? We're going to go back to renting. Yeah. It was just yeah. ended up getting so expensive, especially we were making our new record now. It's been yeah. a couple of years of not touring. This is the longest. And that was weird, too. This is the longest I've been in my hometown probably since I was a kid. And it's been, what, you say two, two years? Two years, yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've played a bunch of shows, but not sure, like, yeah, like six months, five months touring. Yeah, out, out on the road, yeah. You know, like one month out two weeks back another month out like mm-hmm. we did that for years yeah mm-hmm. um and now we've just been focusing on this new record and we recorded our friend's studio rivington 66 with our good friend nico chiatellis who's awesome yeah um and we just tracked for about we tracked and wrote for about a year and a half and just wow. took our time yeah. and like and then he ended up mixing it um and took another about six months mixing yeah. and figured it's our fourth record we're just going to take our time and not rush it and we're very proud of it i feel like it's our best record yeah yeah what do you have a title uh smash smash yeah and nice. when's it come out don't know yet don't know yet don't know yet now you know and the stuff we love doing too is like me and matt love scheming mm-hmm. and just like going out and meeting people and Mm-hmm. We've been doing that for so many years, so we have a bunch of great friends who are either in the music industry or connected to it or yeah. just people who care about it, and uh, so now it's time to find a new label. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say, yeah, are you represented by a label now? Are our you? last record we did uh, was Cinematic, okay. which was a rap label, yeah. um, and we were like the first rock band on it, and that was interesting. That's tight. And they were cool. It was our good buddy, Johnny yeah. T, who's our A&R guy, and, um, and then we just separated ways maybe about six months ago now and mm-hmm. it's all good and yeah um yeah now time to find a new home for this but we're not in a rush like this is i feel like the first time it's our, you know we're old men now you know it's like not not that we're old but like we're rushing we're not rushing because yeah. i feel like every manager will always tell you if you don't put out your record by this point you might as well not put it out at all and that's complete bullshit and i feel like yeah. there's this whole thing of like I understand there's seasons you have to put out records, blah blah blah. Whenever or you miss the boat, or there's all these like, you know, time markers. Or there's South by, there's this, but it's like who cares? I mean, Once you step out of that, yeah, 
and I feel like we did on this record, it's the best feeling in the world because yeah. you can't rush stuff. And mm. it's like we've rushed everything. Not that we've rushed, that's the wrong word, but like, but under a tight pressure of like, sure, yeah. we need to get this done now mm. because we're saying so. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I imagine too doing more, you know, full-time building and things. I mean, this kind of this kind of work, you know, these guitars that we're looking at, like, you know, it's maybe kind of a cheesy crossover, but you can't rush that stuff. Like, it's no. precise. You know, does that yeah, affect totally. the writing and recording process yeah, at all? Yeah, and everything is yeah, and yeah the same. And I've been very fortunate with all of my customers or people who I work with who you know who believe in what I'm doing. They understand that I'm in a band also and will yeah. go on tour. And I feel like that's the special part about it yeah. is like, well, you know, I'm not going to work at, you know, Macy's as a side job and yeah. so I can't work on your guitar. Yeah. Like I'm actually going out and playing. And so I feel like there's a mutual respect, which sure, I'm yeah. very yeah. grateful for. And do you, do you have like an average build time or right is it now just it's very probably about or not? three to six months? Oh, that's not too faster crazy. than I thought. Yeah. But that's sometimes it takes a year. Yeah. Sure. You know, and you know it's been interesting because this is the busiest the shop's ever been mm -hmm. this past few months like we've just really been you know and you're doing it for long enough people catch on and yeah. i feel like the city's been getting smaller and smaller where this place maybe even a few years ago people were like dude you're so far out from different from the east village we're like yeah it's different but it's not that far it's a subway yeah just yeah take a nap on the train it's 30 minutes on the subway mm -hmm. um and so it's been really busy and now I've just been doing more retail stuff. So that's been interesting having to, you know, switch time for that. Yeah. Of like, there's been a lot of people coming in the shop that you have just to, to deal with. Just a shop. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that pulled me away or pull moss away, mm -hmm. you know, and repairs have been getting crazy. So you just adjust and you figure yeah. it out and well, yeah, it's all good. Do you have any, uh, I mean, I, I feel like this is probably a realization of a, a pretty big goal, like yeah. having a shop like this, I mean, really beautiful space, full of guitars and gear, yeah. but do you have any other like big goals that, that you would like, you know, specific things like I want to, hey, I don't know, yeah. any big goals? Play MSG. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and make more guitars. Yeah. Like, yeah, still, you know, play music and, you know, with my best friends and. Yeah. Play shows and put out music. Like, we're not stopping. Like, me and Matt and Jeff have always talked about that. Like, we've had a couple of members leave of the band. Mm -hmm. And so, right now, the main members are me, Matt, and Jeff. And we look at each other and we're like, well, we're not stopping, you know? Yeah. Jeff has a two year old now. And it's like, we just figure out the schedule and the touring schedule, which works out perfect for both of us. But also, even mentally, it's like, all right, we don't want to do that. We've done the five month opening for a band tour. Yeah. Losing 15 grand or mm. losing your mind a little bit. And yeah. like, you just get angry at the end of it because you're like, so frustrating. But it's yeah. still the best in the world because you get to go play music. Yeah. But now we're like, all right, we do two, three week runs and, you know, yeah. Just, you know, we're just, you know, become adults and you plan better and yeah you know to do that and then also now plan more around the shop and yeah and around jeff's kid and you know his wife carrie was pregnant and we were on tour with that band frightened rabbits and it was a long oh, no uh tour it was like five weeks around the states it started in the west coast we had to drive to the west coast do 
all of the states, and then it ended in the West Coast, and we had to drive oh, back. That's brutal. And Jeff was based, his wife was about to give labor any day. Yeah, we're white knuckling it back to the to the city. Yeah, and we get in, unload our gear, send Jeff off, and his wife goes into labor. Like boom, that's awesome. That close, it yeah. was pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, so we've you know definitely figured out how to make everything work and yeah. you know that's that's I mean, all life is is how do you make it work yeah you yeah. know yeah line, line the pieces driving up. yourself crazy yeah or other well, people crazy sure and, but you and, still always drive everybody crazy and yourself <laughs> that's the fun part of life yeah well so just be boring from where i'm sitting it looks <laughs> like uh you're figuring out how to make things work over here thanks and really yeah, working hard sure. we're all working hard on this one you know yeah we're just all you know Mimas and Eric are just everyday scheming and, yeah. you know, and the same with the band, you know, me and Matt live like, that's also what I've always been proud of. Like wherever the shop is, I always like to live close and, mm. and same with Matt and everything and all of us. And, you know, just try to make everything as easy as possible Yeah, in a hard life in New York where it's like you could kick your ass pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we just lived down the block and me and Matt went to go get an apartment and they're like, oh, well, you need 50 times the rent and this credit. And like, I don't even have any of that. Yeah. And then ended up asking our deli guy who I know. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, they just rented out. They renovated the top floor. So now me and Matt no live kidding. 200 steps away and we have a home studio there and we've been doing like. Wow. Just recording stuff at home and uh, try to do commercial music and or whatever. Yeah. Just try to s- scheme it up. Yep. Yeah. We're a fan of schemes over here at the Yeah, Brass I was going to say, that, we're right? definitely, we, we scheme all the time, man. Yeah. Whatever yeah. corner you We're going to scheme on the way in. back. We scheme. Yeah. We do yeah. nothing but scheme. Yeah. Yeah. It's about going to as many fun shows as possible, meeting fun people and yeah. who are like-minded and, you know. Heard that. And then... Now what we got going on next is we're putting on this really big guitar show May 11th, yeah, which is going to be awesome. I'm sad you guys aren't going to be here. Are yeah, gonna be here? I'm gonna, I'm also going to be in Birmingham. Damn. Different yeah, reason. Yeah. I'm going down for a wedding. So there you go. Intense, Back so. in old Bammy. Yeah, I love it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I was bummed to miss it. Yeah, yeah. I was about so to ask we'll you, do, if you we'll what, what things you have to plug coming up soon as we as we draw to a close. But well, you are you already on, the, on that. We got the big the guitar thing. show yeah. coming so up. So is that going to be a bunch of makers? Yeah, stuff here. We got a bunch of makers and shops. We got Rudy's okay. Retro oh, Fret, nice. Southside Guitars, yeah. Chelsea Guitars. Everybody playing nice. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. That's And that. that's our main thing is like everyone has their own shit to do. Yeah. And everyone's busy and everyone's friendly, you know. And yeah, yeah. Especially now, I feel like it's not so <laughs> Yeah, It's always competitive, but that's the fun part. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. But everyone does. No one hates each yeah, other, it be really. You know, yeah. And yeah. that's a big part of the shop of like about the music community and like bringing everybody together and having our buddy Doug here and with Mountain Cat Guitars, mm-hmm. like have him because he represents a bunch of boutique guys. So now we have Taya Guitars here, Potvin and yeah. Protocaster, a bunch of different guys and Sure, we could be like, no, we don't want other builders here, but that's not the fun in that. Yeah. They make cool guitars. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. And who can explain it better than another builder and or yeah. set them up because the weather changed. They're like, oh, well, you know, and then we yeah. have Labella strings on everything. And yeah. Labella's been around since the 1600s. And so there's so much history in all of us and what Moss has been doing. And so we're all about bringing the music community together. And so this 
show on May 11th is going to be awesome. We have a bunch of live music also. Is this open to the public? Open. Oh, full on open fantastic. to the public. Come hang out. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm so bummed. Other builders. Julie and Jamie will be here from Earthquaker. Nice. Yeah. Um, all of our friends who make stuff will be here. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. Mm, May 11th. What's our yeah. address here? 225 34th Street. Yes. Yeah. Brooklyn, New Brooklyn, York. New York. The guitar shop NYC. Yeah, and record to to be determined on the release yeah. date. Uh, um, it'll be out hopefully in the next, you know, probably between the next year or something. Yeah, we'll start. We just got to master it now. We just finished it not that long ago, yeah, and yeah. we'll start be playing shows again soon. And yeah, getting back into it, full Hell steam yeah. of everything. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show yeah, today. Thanks yeah, so much man. for having me. We really appreciate really it. Really enjoyed being out here. I'm definitely going to pick up some guitar strings before we yeah, leave. You guys are the best. Uh, we have been the Firescape. You can get us at firescapepod at gmail dot com uh, with any questions or comments. Uh, you can find us on all the social media at Firescape Pod. You can find me on social media at Coulter Levi. You can find me on the social media buttermilk underscore Pete. And I'm at uh, Carbonetti Guitars uh, on Instagram or Caveman Band or the Guitar Shop NYC. Boom. Check them all out. Boom. Excellent. Thanks well, again. Yeah, man. Thanks for making some time for us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Bye. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.